I uh, we had to take another pause for uh, my technical technical difficulties, but we were just getting into talking about taking prints to get haircuts and why it's important to you. Um, so one thing, though, as a parent, you know, and I think it may be a real cultural thing with us. I don't know. But presentation of our children, are, I heard it as a kid all the time. You know, I'm a reflection of my mother. All the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you never go out of this house embarrassing me. <laughs> right. Like, fix it. You know, right. you're out here looking any kind of way. And so, you know, I really carry that with my kids. You're a reflection of me. And mm-hmm. if you out here looking any kind of way, then that's a reflection of how I love you. And we know that's not true. Right. And now with Prince, he is nonverbal. Um, and sensory is a real in- issue for him. So small things like loud noises stuff that seems completely normal to us Mm -hmm. hurt like physically hurts him you know light bright lights that may be okay with us but to him his senses are heightened to an extent that it is an uncomfortable environment and so the buzzing of um, clippers Mm -hmm. to him is amplified by about 10. wow right imagine listening to clippers and hearing that sound on your head Mm -hmm. And times it by 10. Wow. So um, we really struggled with um, his haircuts. And because he doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. He does not like it. I take him to the exact same place. And we don't do it often. We do it about once every two months. Okay. Until it gets to a point where he's kind of looking like, okay, looking a little rough here, buddy. (laughs) Um, And I'll, you know, the haircut thing is one of those aspects in my life that I don't think a lot of people actually appreciate or understand where I come from. Mm-hmm. I kid you not, um, you know, and I, like I said, I have a great village and this isn't to, you know, talk down on my family or anything. It's just an example. There, I asked my family to come with me one day to get a haircut mm-hmm. with him. Mainly because when I'm by myself, you know, I have to hold him down. I have to restrain him. You have to physically restrain him. I have to physically restrain okay. him. And as a mom, that is the most difficult thing in the world because oh. I feel like I'm hurting him. Okay. You know, I feel like I'm hurting him. And, um, you know, everybody was busy. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, no big deal. But I, I cried. I cried because oh. I dreaded the fact, like, it's Thanksgiving. We got pictures coming. I got to hold him down. And, you know, so I I pushed through it. It went, I think that particular haircut went better. Uh But for me, it's it's not only that, you know, it has to be done. It's he's a black man in America. And that's how I have to raise him. Uh I don't know what the future is going to hold. You know, Uh he could completely turn around and start talking and grow up and live. A life, the life that I dream about mm-hmm. no matter what happens but he has to look presentable because again the world sees a black man first wow and they're going to see his autism second even at seven at even at seven well, there was an instance he was about two or three years old we were at this birthday party and um again you know people don't know what they don't know mm-hmm. he's not potty trained and so um his pants were kind of like falling off Mm -hmm. and this white woman comes up to me and uh she's walking past and she's like oh you're sagging already no ma'am yes yes and i'm like that's a baby right you don't say anything similar i'm like that is a baby you have no clue but he's literally a toddler 
you know, and at that they age, have all kind of clothing malfunction. Exactly. Half the time they got clothes on, we're doing great. All right. Thank you. <laughs> like I'm just like, honey, I'm glad the diaper's still on. Like <laughs> I thought we were winning here. Um, but you know, to stigmatize him like that at such it's an early man. age, I think that's about the point when I recognized um I'm raising a black man. Yeah. You know, I, I'm raising a black man and I Who have to always to be autistic. Right, right. And definitely I have to look at it in that sense that, you know, black man is first. He, yeah. You know, that's what the world will see him as. Not to mention in my I'm six three myself. Mm-hmm. Right. That boy about to be huge. Oh. He's not just gonna be any, you know, black man. He's yeah. gonna be a tall black man, and then so if you compound, if you compound that tall black man, and then you know whatever his body build is gonna be, and then he has special needs. Oh wow, that's a threat to anybody. So my biggest goal right now is getting him to a space where he's comfortable to get the haircuts. Okay, because I don't know. I, they have to give him a volume at some point or something. He don't get them haircuts. He's got to. He has to. Wow. He because for to. you, like what I'm hearing from you, a haircut is not just a vain thing. It's almost a survival thing to make sure that this seven-year-old has some, like has as many attributes about his appearance that will give him the grace that he should get just because he's a person who's seven. Exactly. So if you let his hair grow out and it gets too unruly or something like that, because he's black first, they're going to look at the whole of him and just kind of disregard him or disregard that he comes from a family that's here to support him, here to love him, here to advocate, here to protect him. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it's it. crazy that uh, something as simple as a haircut, like within our, we don't have a choice in a lot of ways. Yeah, we, we don't, we really don't. Um, my mom, she's done a great job with both of her grandsons. She buys them like a lot of collared shirts mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, we always want to make sure that the boys are presentable. You know, I didn't grow up with, uh, I didn't grow up with, well, I grew up with a lot of men, but in my immediate family, it's just girls, mm-hmm. you know? And so for my mom, uh, she didn't have to raise any boys. So her grandsons are like that opportunity where, you know, okay, and she's like, I, I got to raise these, you know, got to raise these grandsons to be respectable men. Mm-hmm. And so she's really, really on us about, you know, making sure that they look presentable at all times. And you'll, you'll see my son, you'll see my nephew in collared shirts. Uh, you know, they don't wear a lot of jeans. Uh, if they do, they really they nice. Fit. Yeah. yeah. Um, she, she has gone out of her way to make sure, even when I didn't have a dime to my name, my mom was coming through the house with Yonkers bags, dealers, wow. and she would spend her last to make sure that they have, you know, that they look the best, yeah. you know, because again, we have to, if not, you, you were judged before we even get to speak one word. Right. It, it's terrible. So we're not, so like um, a lot of times, you know, when it talks about the black community and it talks about like our poverty rate and our income and things like that. It is said as if when we spend money on clothes, it's always just purely a choice and just purely vanity. But that, I mean, hearing it from you and then remembering in my experience, it's it's not true. Like I remember Caden was maybe a year and a half, but I don't even think he was that. Um, we were on the bus in Kansas City 
and he had on a Rockwear outfit. Rockwear hoodie, it's fall, you know, it's, you know, he needed to be kind of snuggled up. He's sitting on the bus calmly. He's not doing anything. He's sitting on the bus calmly right next to me. And another black man was like, hey, I bet you that little N-word is bad, huh? I didn't accept any more mm-hmm. urban name brand clothes. Yeah. He was a baby. He was doing nothing. Didn't deserve that at all. But because he was in Rockwear sweatsuit, mm-hmm with his little Timberland shoes on, that was the assumption that he got. And I noticed that when I put him, like you were saying, in polo shirts, I didn't hear that from anyone. You know, I heard a lot more, oh, he's so adorable. And even sometimes I heard things that felt more like an insult because it was like, oh, wow, here's this black baby that looks like something, you know? Um, And for the longest, Caden couldn't wear anything but collar shirts, whether it was like the regular polo with the little three buttons or he had to have on a full button down. It's just within the last like two years that I started letting him relax in like basketball shorts and t-shirts. But at the same time, he also knows that if I say, you know, certain places we're going to, he automatically knows to switch and go put on a button down shirt without me having to say much to him. And like, I have to talk to him about his jeans. You know, I am buying them a little bit bigger, not so that they sag, but just so he don't grow out of them in two months. Right. Because for the longest, we were just buying straight or like almost the skinny jeans because he was so slim. But now since he's so athletic, he's getting more muscle mass. Mm-hmm. So when I buy him regulars, they fit a little loose. But I have to stay on him like, you need to find a belt. And if you can't find a belt, you need to let me know because I don't want anybody to see you sagging, not any day. Cause, but he looks at me like I'm retarded. Like he doesn't quite get that there's no grace there for that. Yeah. And remember earlier we were talking about the hoodies. Yep. Um, hoodies, we should be able to wear hoodies with no problem. Like we're in a state, in a climate that it gets cold. It takes forever to summer to come. It's cold here. But with my son, even um, when it's cold, his I have to tell him all the time, adjust your hoodie so we can see the size of your face. And as soon as you get in the car or as soon as you walk into a store, take it off. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, annoying to have to stay on your kid about something so small but you realize that it is it could possibly be life or death for him really yeah my daughter gets super frustrated when i tell she likes it's her instinct to just put her hood on her head Mm -hmm. and i snatch it right off Mm -hmm. and she does not understand quite yet and i'm still trying to preserve her innocence yeah she's still so young um, but we'll have that conversation and what it looks like in terms of maybe you can't wear this hoodie, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I definitely even with her. So right now we've gotten to a phase where I'm teaching her what types of clothes are appropriate for different settings. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the grace of God, she actually likes dressing really well. She mm-hmm. gets that attribute from her grandma. Mm-hmm. I was a complete tomboy at her age. <laughs> Um, so I'm having to like talk her out of not wearing dresses to church or uh, <laughs> to camp and stuff. Excuse me. Okay. Um, so yeah, right. So I don't really have the opposite problem in telling her, okay, Tiani, you can't wear, you know, basketball shorts mm. and stuff. I'm really having to say, no, honey, you cannot wear this dress today, camp. <laughs> like, put on some shorts so you can play. play. Yeah, yeah, put on some play clothes, but. You definitely have to have those conversations. Um, and it's unfortunate because our parents, you know, you have to kind of look at it as 
what can I do to let the person across from me not see all this blackness? Mm -hmm. Because blackness is looked at as bad. Immediately. You know, yeah, it's dark. It's bad. It's not, you know, there's nothing good. I can't tattoo my degrees on my face. Right. (laughs) You know, so I have to come up with all these other ways to, you know, compensate for the fact that you are uneducated on the fact that not all black people are criminals. I have to overcompensate and give away a piece of me to make you feel comfortable. That gets exhausting. Very exhausting. (laughs) I don't know if we talked about this during the recording that got deleted accidentally or if we talked about it in the first one, but it doesn't really matter if we're repeating it again because people need to understand. And then there are people that are out there listening to this podcast that are probably resonate with how exhausting that is. Just the fact that we're having to actively think about these conversations with our kids and try to balance, like you said, their innocence, but with what the world really is giving to them or taking from them in a sense. There's no reason why our kids should not be able to just wear shorts and a t-shirt and we don't worry about what their perception is going to be. Or my son may be cold on October day and he's walking into a store. It shouldn't be the immediate thing that he has to remember to take his hood off. Like, can he get a second to get out the doorway? Right. I mean, God. Right. And, and that's the that's the crazy thing, right? It's absolutely exhausting. I get tired of trying to remember how to pronounce my name and which setting, you know, that I am. But it, it's so natural at this point to um, to just switch up. You know, right. It, it's just become a natural thing. But again, I think I've re- something magical happens when you hit thirty. What happens? <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I didn't believe it when when the woman told me this one day. She was like, you know, when you hit thirty. Something magical is going to happen. And what happens is, is that you stop giving a fuck. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, the fucks just, start leaving. Yes. Yeah, yes. you have less of them to give. Yeah, right. And I'm, I'm like, I've got none to give to anybody <laughs> at this point. Um, you know, like I was saying earlier, I my alter ego, Veronica, you know, <laughs> I have to have her because if I don't, then I'm in this constant battle between Tiara, Tiara, and who am I? Yeah. And, you know, just have to let loose sometimes. I Maybe I need to develop an alter ego because I definitely feel that battle, especially with having a business. You know, when I started Tutus and Tennis Shoes, um, it was a legit concern whether or not to put a black girl on my logo. And mm. at the time, I just wanted to have a children's salon. I hadn't narrowed down my market as, as much as it has become narrowed down. But what I finally said, and to, to not only to myself, but to other people, I had to say it out loud for them to understand, because it was told to me that maybe I should consider doing something else. Like, maybe I should consider just like a picture of the shears or something like that. Maybe not the black girl, because you're going to, you know, turn away business, but everybody still eats at Wendy's, right? It's the same little funny looking white girl that's been on there for how many years? You know, it's the same little cartoon white girl. We don't not go order a burger because it's a little white girl in there, but that's because that has become the norm. So if I was continued with my children's salon, it was told to me that there was a great chance because my logo was a black girl that I was ostracizing the business. Isn't that insane? It's very insane. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I went through something similar. And it's crazy that we have to like think in a space where, Okay, do we have to 
you know, whitewash our brand. Yeah. Because to make everybody feel comfortable. So when, um, you know, I was introducing myself, I mentioned that I wrote an article about, you know, my story about my kids and the decision to place my son in a facility for mm-hmm. children with autism. And it was published in Autism Parenting Magazine. Mm-hmm. And so that was great. That happened in November of 2018. Mm-hmm. So it got a lot of feedback. And so the magazine decided to add it to their blog which was great. They sent me an email. I wasn't expecting it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's still getting traction even months later. And this is about in March. I clicked the link to the blog. Now, mind you, in the magazine, they have a picture of, they have my bio. Uh They have a picture of me. They recognize that I am a, I'm a black woman. Okay. Imagine my surprise when I go to the link that has my article and there's this there's a stock photo of this happy white woman and her two white kids and so i'm like you just minimize my story because part of my story is that i'm living this life in a black body exactly and i i mean i'm looking at this to make it worse i post the link on my facebook page and it's like oh i'm glad that you know they decided to post this but i'm pissed about this picture right some of my other um counterparts they're like well what's wrong with that what's wrong with the picture i'm like what do you mean what's wrong with the picture are you serious (laughs) that's not my story if they wanted a picture if they needed a picture so bad why didn't nobody contact you ask you for a picture right asking for a picture or even one that was to your likeness or one that was completely just off it, I mean, to make their readers comfortable, they got a stock picture of a white family. And of course, people are going to assume that that is, you know, who's writing this. Exactly. And that's the part that made me upset. I contacted the editor. And this is my very first publication. This is the first time that anything that I had written been published. And so, you know, again, I'm like, okay, accept the breadcrumbs, TR, accept it. Don't say anything. I'm like, nah, forget that. I contacted the editor and I said, you know, thank you for, uh, you know, giving me the opportunity of adding my story to your blog, but I need you to change the picture. Mm-hmm. Here's a picture of my family um, that I would like you to use. They wait about two weeks before they email me back and say, okay, Tiara, we've changed the picture. Now, funny enough, with the stock photo that they used, nobody on my Facebook really was like, they didn't make the connection that I wrote it. Wow. You know, because we only read so many of the uh, comp- the captions, the pictures yeah, and yeah. stuff. When I tell you, when they added my picture and I went back and said, this is much better, that article was shared across the city. To people that I didn't, I had people coming up to me at church and just, you know, messaging me on Facebook. I had people trying to give me donations and, you wow. know, things along those lines because our story deserves our picture. It deserves to be ours. It does it not deserve to be misinterpreted, like misrepresented. It, it doesn't. And so, again, when we get in these spaces, don't accept the breadcrumbs. Right. They didn't right. do you a favor. Right. Right. And, and that, you did them a favor by sharing your story exactly with them for them to be able to publish it. Right, right. And that's what I really had to realize because I struggled early. I was typing this email and <laughs> I, I couldn't press send. I'm like, nah, except the breadcrumbs. <laughs> they already did you a favor. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, because it's not what we represent. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that it, it's not, it's not their story. It's ours. So 
Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. Our stories always have to be whitewashed to make everybody feel comfortable. But don't do it. It's not worth it. It's At the end not. of the day, it's not worth it. Uh, like, I, I so appreciate you coming today and sharing all of your story and being vulnerable and letting us all hear it and giving me the opportunity to connect with you again. I mean, last night, yeah, we connected a little bit, but today has just been that much more impactful and beautiful. And I'm hoping that all the listeners are able to connect and resonate. And if there's something in their life where they are able to make some of the changes and are empowered by some of your words and your story, I hope that they um, do that, um, whether they are other African-Americans or they are our white allies, um, noticing these microaggressions and how much it changes um, our everyday life our everyday, all day life, um, it has to be done, especially in this climate. Like it has to be done. We have to do more work. So I'm going to go ahead and close this out before <laughs> our podcast has more technical difficulties. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, this has been a great experience. You know, like I said, I write because I don't speak, but it's great actually just vocalizing, you know, everything and talking to your listeners so thanks for having me no problem hopefully we'll you know we'll figure this out again and we'll do it because i'll be in texas so right. we'll figure out how to do it long <laughs> distance <laughs> um but let me go ahead and stop this <laughs>